This is episode 27 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Gabby Banzin. I had a professor in one of those classes um, who um, knew me from other outside things and um, pointed to me one day and he was like, you're you're weird. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, class. And he's like, you just, you just do this thing. Like you just like connect. And it's just, I don't understand how or why, but you just do this thing and you just, there's just automatically a connection with someone or something. And he's like, I don't understand because you're so like introverted that you do that. And then he like, just went on and talked about something else. <laughs> and I was like, what is going, what? Um, so that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea <laughs> why and how um, I had such a collective outlook on all the things that I do. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I'm a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Gabby Banzin, who is one of the co-hosts of Clinical Populations. If you haven't checked out their podcast, definitely head over there after you finish this episode and listen to some of their multiple seasons. Uh, They have been podcasting for just over a year now, and they have some great conversations where they analyze, discuss, and interview different songs from new artists and give you some ideas of how you can use that music in your sessions as well. I apologize that I'm feeling a little bit under the weather in this recording, so um, hopefully my sniffly noises won't distract you too much from this conversation. If you are enjoying the podcast, please let us know by leaving us a review on iTunes. We so appreciate the kind words you guys share, and it helps this podcast be more visible to other music therapists and people looking for this type of content. I've had a few high school students uh, reach out to me and inquire about music therapy, and I've given this podcast as a resource for them to check out if they're unable to do an observation or speak with a music therapist and learn more about the potential of being one themselves. So if they're looking for what music therapy could be and this podcast is more visible for them, that would be phenomenal. Thank you to those people who have joined our Facebook group and engaged in conversation over there. I love hearing how you have included different aspects of the episodes into your life and the conversations you guys are having. 
Also, thank you so much to the people supporting us on Patreon. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It encourages me to know that people are getting value out of the podcast enough so to support it monetarily. So if you're looking for a way to support the podcast, definitely check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. All right, let's get into this episode with Gabby. Welcome to the podcast, Gabby. Hello. How are you today? Oh, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am uh, a little under the weather, to be honest. It's getting cold here in New England and my nose is very stuffed, but we're all good. (laughs) Wow. Like by cold, what do you mean? I woke up this morning and it was 34 degrees outside. It is, um, it's like going to hit 95 today here in (laughs) Texas. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, before you mentioned, before we started recording, you mentioned the AC and I'm thinking I'm in like three layers and <laughs> I'm in shorts and a t-shirt right now. Wow. So. <laughs> That's crazy. Sometimes in these interviews, it like in the middle of the interview, it'll just boggle my mind that we're, we're talking face to face across space and time. And I'm just like, I need to focus on the interview, but I'm so amazed by the technology. <laughs> yes. I love technology. maybe that's something we should talk about today because I know um we'll get into your podcast but you did an episode where you and uh Allison talked about like the technology and performing and having familiarity with the you know um amps and chords and all that kind of stuff and I was listening to it and I was like I know nothing about any of that (laughs) any at all like kudos to you for having the ambition (laughs) and the knowledge of all that good stuff (laughs) yeah um I mean, it kind of came from outside music therapy things. Like I've been part of bands and like music teams and stuff. So I learned all of the live, not all of it, but like enough to get by and know what to plug in. Um, So that's how I learned all the live sound stuff. And then where I currently work, it's a lot of live sound. So I've had to learn how to troubleshoot and figure things out. Um, but I also got my minor in music technology when I was an undergrad. So that helped quite a bit as well. Let's dive into that. So tell us how you found your way to music therapy and tell us, Um, yeah, music technology. (laughs) I'm really interested in that. Um, uh, music technology, you know, music therapy, funny story. So I think I've said this on a couple other podcasts, but it was actually basketball that led me to music therapy. So... But I don't play basketball. Um, (laughs) So I, in high school, I wanted to be a rock star. um, And my band director said no, because that's not going to help you lucratively. (laughs) Um, Unless like, it's one in a million to become a rock star, basically. So I was like, okay, maybe you're right. So he said I should look into another music degree and then have writing music be my side hustle. And I agreed. So I decided on music business. Um, Oh, I'm from Georgia originally, kind of. So um, I was uh, looking at different universities around the Southeast for music business. And one of those universities was Florida State. And while I was touring that campus in high school, my mom was looking through the music catalog and saw music therapy on it. 
And she was like, what is this? Music therapy, healthcare, and music? That sounds great. This is amazing. You should do it. <laughs> and I was like, no, that sounds like it's for hippies. I am <laughs> not doing that. So it was in the back of my mind for a while, but I never actually gave it any thought. Um, fast forward like a month or two, the NBA finals are going on. And um, I'm watching with a friend of mine, and they had a girl sing the national anthem. And then they did a snippet on her, and they said that when she was born, she was mute. But through speech and music therapy combined, they, she learned how to sing, because you can sing before you can talk. And then she eventually learned how to talk, and now she's fine. And so I saw that, and I was like, oh, that's music therapy. Yes, I want to do that. So that's how I found music therapy. And I ended up going to Georgia College and State University um, in in Georgia because um, if you have, I guess, higher than a 3.0 GPA in Georgia, you can basically go to college for free. Wow. So it was a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's such <laughs> a good story. Wow. Basketball led me to music therapy, but I don't play basketball. What a way to start a conversation. Great. <laughs> wow. I love that. So tell us tell us about your job now. You said you do a lot of live music, uh, a lot of troubleshooting. What, what do you do day to day? Who do you work with? Yeah. So I work for a nonprofit theater organization that helps um, kids put on musicals and plays. So instead of being part of one play while you're in high school every semester, you can be part of plays continually. So it's an after-school program. Um, they have a small branch that I manage that's specifically for youth and adults with special needs. So we give the same opportunities of being part of musicals and plays and, um, in our case, concerts as well. Um, to all of them. And they're also partnered one-on-one. -on -one. We have a community volunteer aspect to it where people from the theater or people from local universities, practicum students, community people, they come and they're partnered one-on-one, -on -one, kind of like a buddy PE type thing. Um, and they help uh, these, uh, <clears throat> these performers um, learn their lines and their music and, and dances and things like that. Um, so through the process of rehearsing, um, we're just learning how to put on a show and learning how to work together and socialize and communicate. And then at the end, we put on an actual huge production with lights and sound and, um, all of that good stuff. So uh, while we're working on like the therapeutic and like the rehearsal part of it, um, we're also working on the product part behind the scenes. So I'm working on, you know, figuring out lights um, and also figuring out, you know, who gets what mic and where each mic go and what the levels need to be. Um, and then I have a volunteer parent run the actual, or two, run the actual technology during the show so I can focus on um, the people I work with. Wow. That's so interesting. So what is your actual title? Um, therapy Programs Director. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. that made me think of there's a um, a local thrift shop, secondhand shop uh, in my area, and it's run by this father and son. The son, I don't know his exact diagnosis, but he's on the spectrum or developmental delay, something to that effect. And I was in there once and the father was saying to me, 
you know, my son was in school and they were teaching him, you know, colors, numbers, letters, and he was really struggling with it. And it got to the point where I said, how is this going to help him in life? He needs to be Mm -hmm. able to interact with people. He needs to be able to have social skills. And, you know, Mm. if he can't count to 127, that's fine. And so they (laughs) opened this thrift store so that he could have those social interactions and he could Mm. practice interacting with people and money. And and that theater program just sounds like such a phenomenal opportunity for them to generalize those skills in a therapeutic and educational setting and also just have fun doing it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So while it's not your traditional, you're in a classroom or you're in a clinic or a house, it's still giving them those opportunities to grow therapeutically. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's so Mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. Um, we put on, we started off by putting on two shows a year and now we do like three a season, three to four a season. It's pretty, it's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, uh, we also have camps like during the summer and workshops as well. Um, but we try to offer a variety of programs. So we have huge productions for those that can handle the environment. And then we have smaller showcases and concerts for those who need a more intimate environment. Um, yeah. That's so great that you're also able to adapt to those needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you were only doing one show a season or whatever, um, you Mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to make those changes, but it's a lot more work for you, but (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it is a lot of work, but it's, um, it's a, it's a really amazing seeing how this type of work impacts the people we work with. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so lovely. So Mm -hmm. you are a very busy beaver on top of doing three shows a season, (laughs) (laughs) which, which of your projects do you want to get into first? (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess since we're on a podcast, we can talk about the podcast. Yeah, tell us. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I co-founded and managed a podcast called Clinical Populations. Um, uh, I founded it with my friend Allison Rogers, who was on a couple of episodes ago, Mm -hmm. I believe. Um, Yeah, by the time this is out, it'll be like a month and a half. (laughs) A month? Okay, so more than a couple of episodes ago. (laughs) I'll link it. I'll link it in the show notes. (laughs) Thanks. Um, uh, Yeah, and we have a couple of other co-hosts that are music therapists and music therapy educators from around the nation, which is really fun. Um, So the premise of clinical populations is... Well, the tagline is no, introducing new bops to music therapy and music therapists to new bops. So we take undiscovered or new artists um, that aren't, you know, on the top 40 radio and want some extra PR. And we ask if they want to share some music and also if they maybe want to see how their music can impact in other ways besides just selling music and performing concerts. Um, And then uh, my co-hosts and I take the music and listen to it. And then we try to think of different ways to use it clinically during session. And then we just talk about it. And uh, that's pretty much an episode. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't listened to Clinical Populations, it's really insightful. And even though 
Um, I'm not necessarily in a setting where some of the interventions they talk about are useful because a lot of my kiddos are uh, on the autism spectrum. I just love having a change of pace mentally about Mm -hmm. how, you know, our music therapy is so broad. So here, here's a way to change your thinking and keep it fresh in your mind. And you guys have just a very conversational friendly it's like it's kind of like you just get to sit in on one of those conversations with <laughs> some MTs and get some ideas yeah that was what we were going for we were trying to make it like we're sitting you know in a living room or at a bar just hanging out yeah so what inspired you guys to do you do rotating co-hosts right is that mm-hmm. the right word what yeah. inspired that um Allison and I come from mostly the same um, background, like with education. So she got her undergraduate from Texas Women's and I got my master's from there. So mine is a little different, but we also, you know, are currently in the same area and work from or work with generally the same population. So we just wanted to offer a variety of perspectives. Um, for um, people who don't work in those populations and then also for people that, um, you know, might be more seasoned in the field. Um, So we just wanted to um, make it more diverse, I guess, approach-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to you for uh, Mm -hmm. having the foresight and wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. What have you learned from some of your co-hosts maybe? Oh, a lot. <laughs> um, so I, oh gosh, so much. Um, well, having the more seasoned music therapist on, so um, Michael Zanders and Michael Viega, I mean, they've been in the field for years. So just all of their stories and um, their knowledge and just sharing that has been amazing. I feel like I'm back in school again, um, <laughs> just learning and just taking it all in. Um, and then uh, our other co-hosts, um, so John Moon, he works with geriatric or in the geriatric populations, and I don't do that. So his um, insight on you know, working with those age ranges and then also um, with the families of the, of those people in those settings. Um, so talking about grief um, and bereavement and things like that, um, which I don't encounter every day. Um, that's really great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think every episode I learned something new, basically. Awesome. That's so great. Mm-hmm. I, I also love that about having these conversations. Sometimes mm-hmm. I forget. I'm like, I don't I don't want to facilitate the conversation. Can you just keep talking so I can <laughs> learn from you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So what if you had to pick one or two episodes that were your favorite from doing clinical populations? What would you pick and uh, why? Oh, uh... I think our interview with Tony Blackman, um, it was me, Allison, Dr. Viega, and we, um, Tony Blackman called in and we just, 
um, talked about one of her songs that actually hasn't even been released yet. We were like the first people to release it. Wow. Um, called, yeah, called Why Worry? And just hearing about her. Yeah, you know that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I listened to that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just hearing about her journey and then how um, open she was with using it as um, using it and the rest of her art as a modality for healing um was really cool <clears throat> and the conversation I just it was just a really good conversation like I still think about it today and that was recorded probably earlier this year um yeah it's just a really good conversation um and then also like because I'm just now over the past couple of years, getting into the genres um, and culture of hip hop. Um, it's not my first, <clears throat> um, it wasn't my first like love musically, but I've slowly been getting into it. And so learning more about that from her, um, from someone who's actually like the hip hop ambassador, like for the United States, for the globe, <laughs> was really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really powerful connection to have, too. Mm. Yeah, and she she seems, like you said, very open and uh, conversational. And I feel like if you had questions or needed needed some insight or something from her in the future, she'd be really good about getting back <laughs> to you. And Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <clears throat> um, I think the other episode I really enjoyed um, is one we did... Um, earlier, like last season as well, maybe by Ricky Vesquez. And that was with me, Allison and John Moon. Um, and that was the one we talked about grief a lot. And one of the topics that, um, or ideas that John brought up was this idea of anticipatory grief and how a lot of families, um, when their loved one dies, they don't, they're not grieving or they don't feel sad because it's like this huge burden has been lifted off their shoulders and it's because they've been anticipating this for so long and have actually been going through the motions beforehand. Um, so it's not a shock. So that was like, I chewed on that idea for probably a good two weeks because <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, I have experienced that. And it's it's okay. funny when sometimes you experience things, right? But as soon as there's a word or a phrase toward it, for me, another one that sticks out is imposter syndrome. Because, uh, you know, sometimes you're feeling that and you're like, blah, blah, what is this? Like, what is this anxiety and worry? And then as soon as you're like, oh, you identify what it is and it makes it mm -hmm. that much easier to handle. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What great life experience. Mm hmm. You know? Awesome. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to have to be able to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. So the podcast, Allison told us a little bit about some of the opportunities it has created for you guys, but you can tell us also some of the things that it's <laughs> it's allowing you to do and and, and experience. Yeah, yeah. So we um, decided to take it outside of our laptops and try to see if we could do some live episodes. Um, and over the spring, we um, did our first live episode at the Southwest Regional Conference. And then um, 
we were like, you know what, let's take it a step further. Let's try nationals. And uh, over the spring, we found out that we got accepted to, or maybe summer, to the um, National ANTA conference in Minneapolis in November. Um, and then about a month or two later, we found out that we got accepted to the World Congress of Music Therapy in South Africa in July 2020. Congratulations. Which, which yes. <laughs> um, I still, I mean, I'm still shocked that we got accepted to both. But we're all really excited. Um, and we're all also trying to save up money <laughs> for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's happened. Um, and then um, just being able to talk with really cool artists and musicians. Um, we are in the works of trying to get some bigger name musicians as well. Um, cause we've somehow managed to get a couple of connections with like publicists and man managers. So, uh, next season might be a very cool season to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep our ears peeled. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Definitely. No pun intended. And you, so uh -huh. this episode will come out in November and by then uh -huh. you'll be maybe like halfway through the current season. Mm -hmm. If I, if I can math correctly. Yeah. 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 About halfway. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And that's, is that your third or fourth season? Third. third. Yeah. Our, uh, our birthday was October 1st. Happy birthday. <laughs> I did see that on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Awesome. It's crazy. It's only been a year and all these things have happened. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting being on this end of it because a year ago, I know I just had this as an idea I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe, maybe someday this is an idea <laughs> I kind of have. And, um, yeah. you know, now, now we're in it. We're in the thick of it. We're doing it. I know. Yeah. And it seems like you have a nicer setup than I do. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I've ever said this on a recording, but this is a microphone that my partner Chris found in the trash. <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, and, and most of it is just sound equipment he had laying around from, uh, he used to do like weddings and sound gigs and stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, and then the equipment just sat and he, I told him I had this idea and he said, okay, well, here's the equipment, go do it. <laughs> wow. So, um, can't really tell you anything that's in front of me. I could just know how to plug it in. <laughs> That's, that's what okay. I was saying earlier. You guys know all the things, and I'm just like, this was handed to me, and um, yeah. Well, it sounds good, so as long as it sounds good, it doesn't really matter what it is. Thanks. Hopefully, the listeners aren't getting all like my nasal passage sounds. And <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry. So I recently found out you also are a co-host on another podcast. Yeah. Do you want to tell uh, us about that? Sure. Um, so. I do have a life outside of music therapy, <laughs> um, even though it doesn't seem like it. Um, so I um, was raised and still practice um, the Catholic faith. Um, and I have um, some friends who are kind of like me in the sense that we're very open to new ideas and discussing them and having conversations about it um, and dialoguing as opposed to debating. So... Uh, my friend Tony runs a podcast called The Threshold Podcast in which he just interviews people from different faiths and or not faiths and just talks about what they do or don't believe and what shaped all of that. 
um, and it's just a conversation. And then after he interviews them, he and our rotating co-host, so I'm one of the rotating ones, um, just talks about the interview and what we thought about it and felt about it and anything that resonated with us. So, yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful way to show that those types of conversations can be have. And I love what you said, dialoguing instead of debating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. Um, I am, we haven't had any episodes recently because Tony's been going through some life things and moving around a lot, but, um, he's finally planted some seeds with his family in Philly. So we're hoping, um, that in a couple months we'll be back at it. Awesome. We'll keep, mm-hmm. uh, We'll keep our eyes peeled to, or ears peeled for that one too, because it's a podcast. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. Podcasting is going to be the new blogging. Everyone's going to have one. There's going to be so many audio ideas out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking it'd be so fun if, so you know, how NPR is like the network for X amount of like, you know, shows or stations. It would be cool if we had MTR. Huh. So it'd be, <laughs> yeah, music therapy radio. And just, you know, all the music therapy podcasts under one umbrella. So it'd be easy to find and you could be like MTR. And then all of the music therapy podcasts are listed under that. But I don't know how to do that or or what the steps are to take to, yeah, to even make that happen. But well, if someone's listening and they (laughs) want to do that, I mean, you know, Gabby put it out there. So contact her (laughs) first. But yes, (laughs) that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'd, it'd help all of us. It'd help people find the content and it would also help those of us putting it out there. Um, Definitely. Yeah. 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 Because it can be a lot with, you know, promoting on social media and doing, you know, a, a newsletter or whatever you're doing to try and get more listeners, get more people the, the information you're putting out there. It's a lot yeah. to do. It is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. Yeah, for sure. So uh, your next project is your your book called Space. Yeah, um, it actually just released uh, early September. Um, It was my master's project. I really didn't want to do like a thesis or um, a survey or anything like that. So um, I just researched a lot about songwriting and the tools that are available for students and professionals in songwriting. And there's a lot of awesome books. Um, like Felicity Baker and Tony Wigram. Um, uh, and I just was like, well, there isn't an actual like workbook resource that's standardized. Like there's, you know, there's teachers that may do it um, on their own and, you know, have their own custom workbooks. But I was like, what if I created just a tool for all, you know, students just be able to buy off of Amazon um, or at a conference and, um, just use it for their own. So, um, it's called space a journal for future music therapists to explore and express through songwriting. So it's a way for people to get, um, uh, acquainted with the, um, technique of songwriting and to get more comfortable with it so that they themselves after experiencing it can use it for their own you know, clients and have their clients experience it as well. Um, so at the beginning, there's 
chord progressions and song forms and um, just tips and tricks. And then it goes through 20 or yeah, 20 different um, journal entries and logs. Um, go, and each log then on the next page after you journal has um, a chord progression and a song form to use. Um, and then the page after that is like the final page of it so you can finalize your song and then it goes through that 20 times and as as the journal progresses there's less and less structure so you're eventually writing on your own that sounds like such a great resource and I love what you said about uh, once you as an MT use it you can then take it to a client and teach Mm -hmm. them the technique as well that's so wonderful Mm -hmm. and I love hearing um, people who I talk to and they have these these things they've created, these projects, and they say that it was part of their master's or, you know, whatever. It's awesome that people are taking their education, their extended education and mm-hmm. creating something useful, like a tool for their profession to mm-hmm. give back instead of not that surveys and research. And, I you know, that's all great, too. Um, yeah. But it's great to see a different spin on what you're learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So you do some songwriting on your own of yourself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. Um, so, I, I mean, I've been writing songs since I was in high school. I have some very embarrassing EPs <laughs> somewhere lying around. <laughs> um, I record with a little four-track, like, non, no digital technology whatsoever. Audio levels are horrible. It was horrible. Um <laughs> And then um, throughout, yeah, college, I learned how to use all the digital software and stuff. Um, so like GarageBand um, and things like that. And then in my internship, it was heavily like music creation, music production focused. So I was basically recording and producing songs every other week. Um, so. It was a lot, but it was awesome. <laughs> um, that was at the Augusta VA Medical Center, um, and it was working with veterans who were um, dealing with different mental health problems. So, yeah. Um, so because of that, I was able to, yeah, use that in my own songwriting. Um, and for a while, I was trying to hit the like the whole Christian worship scene um, and was writing songs based off of that. And I um, became part of a group called the Novum Collective. And it's just a collective of songwriters that, um, yeah, create songs for that purpose. And slowly it's been shifting to just people who have, you know, similar values and just write whatever songs they want. So my first EP was... um, yeah, Christian focused, but I'm thinking about creating another one that's more just like life <laughs> focused and um, ha- will probably have more of like an indie acoustic rock vibe to it. So, yeah. Cool. Oh, that sounds yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll link that stuff below, unless you'd prefer not to have those EPs linked. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer not to have. That's fine. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> Whatever you're comfortable with. They were pretty cringy. Um, I actually don't know if they're online. They're probably just like actual physical CDs somewhere lying around. Oh, gosh. What a I great way to see your progress, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
It's a little embarrassing too. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I want to listen to them, but yeah. So how do you balance all this stuff going on? That is a good question. Um, well, so <laughs> my work is, uh, the hours are, they vary all the time. They're constantly shifting, um, because it's a lot of after school stuff and then there's weekend things. So I actually have time in the mornings to do stuff. Um, and I, I focus better in the morning. So, um, as far as podcast things are concerned, I actually end up just waking up and doing that. Um, and also as, the as like the seasons have gone on I've become quicker and then better at editing all the stuff um and then also with like the marketing like social media and things like that um I have figured out like more of a consistent streamline of how to do that and how to schedule out posts um for songwriting I actually I mean they hmm, that has kind of taken a back have been put on the back burner a little bit. Um, I've been more like helping people songwrite and collaborate. Um, I have a friend um, who works at the theater where I work who writes musicals. So I've been um, fortunate to contribute lyrics to all of the musicals he's written um, in the past year. Um, so I kind of mix work with fun. <laughs> um, so yeah. So songwriting, not as much, but I guess podcasts, I balance it out by doing it, you know, at the time I have off. Or if I have a little work break, like I'll like work on the editing for 10 minutes or something. Um, but it's a lot. It's a lot to handle for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially because if you're doing lots of after school and production type stuff, like that's probably mm -hmm. a lot of late nights. It is. Yes. I typically don't get home till nine most nights. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Kind of like a second, a second shift schedule. Yeah, type. definitely. And I, I mean, and it varies too, because sometimes I won't have as many productions going on. So half of my schedule is normal and then half the schedule is like till nine. So it's a, it varies a lot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good for you for being flexible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that takes a lot, having that flexibility. Yeah. So so what draws you to each of these things? Because there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of community-type atmosphere and aspects of all the things you're doing, especially with even though songwriting can be very personal, you're then taking it out into the world and helping other people also do their own songwriting, their own discovery through that. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, what what is the what do you, I guess the personal attribute you have that draws you to all these things you think? Uh, I've been trying to figure that out myself because I'm actually very introverted. Um even though I do all these collective things, um I definitely need time to myself. I mean, and then songwriting is a very or any creating art is mostly an introverted activity. Um so I, what I've written out in like 
various bios that I've had to create, like more artsy bios. I say that I got into music because it gave me a chance to be myself within a community. Um, so like I was in band all throughout, you know, middle school through college. Um, so like marching band, um, concert band, jazz band, things like that. Um, and then I've always enjoyed making music with other people and then also talking with other people. Um, and I also just approach wise, like music therapy wise, I struggle with staying in like just one tiny box. Um, and I like integrating different ideas. Um, and I even, I had a professor, um, I was going to get my LPC, but I ended up not. Um, but I still took some counseling classes and I had a professor in one of those classes, um, who, um, knew me from other outside things and, um, pointed to me one day and, and he was like, you're, you're weird. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? I'm like in the middle of class and he's like, you just, you just do this thing. Like you just like connect and it's just, I don't understand how or why, but you just do this thing and you just, there's just automatically a connection with someone or something. And he's like, I don't understand because you're so like introverted, but you do that. And then he like just went on and talked about something else. <laughs> and I was like, what is going, what? Um, so that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> why and how um, I've had such a collective outlook on all the things that I do. So I don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that was an answer. I think okay. what a beautiful skill to have, even if you don't necessarily know where it's originating from or why, but <laughs> that's a beautiful personality trait to have and he's right this is this is a very comfortable conversation um so yeah I agree with what he was saying for sure thank you thank you um yeah I don't know where it come from and why I do it or how it happens it just it just happens so yeah you're in the right <laughs> line of work for sure then oh, yes yeah it's come in very handy definitely yeah mm -hmm. yeah do you have anything you want to add before we move into rapid fire? Um, I don't think so. Not really. Alrighty. Coffee or tea? Coffee. I can see that. For the <laughs> listeners can't see, but uh, Gabby has this really cute whale mug that she's, I'm assuming there's coffee in there that she's mm. sipping out of this morning. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Early bird or night owl? Uh, mm, can I do both? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I know I focus better in the morning, but I do tend to stay up late. I'm, I'm a, I'm a chameleon when it comes to that. It's whatever is needed and whatever other people are doing, basically. That's also a good skill to have. <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially with what you're doing and the, the differing, differing schedules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something you would tell your younger self. 
Um, your life isn't going to go how you plan it. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Your music therapy elevator speech. (laughs) Going on with the collaborative stuff, it's also a conversation. So I ask them what they know about music therapy or what they think it is um, before I even answer the question. So... Typically, they'll say, oh, so you listen to music and then talk about therapy stuff. (laughs) Um, And so I usually tell them, yeah, that's one facet of it. Um, But there's a whole other broad range of the ways that music work and um, also the way it works with different age ranges. So... um, if they have time, I typically go through a very brief, like, um, just overview of, you know, the different aspects, like receptive, um, improvisation, like making music, things like that. Um, and if they don't have time, I say it's using, um, the experience, the, the experiences the person has had with music and taking those experiences whether it's, you know, playing music or listening to music and using those experiences and adapting and building on it um, to um, promote healing, growth, uh, development, or change. I like those. Healing, growth, development, or change. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. Your favorite self-care practice? Hmm... Um, I like swimming. I used to swim in high school. I wasn't very good at it, but, um, I like swimming because, um, one, like you can't bring anything with you into the water. So it almost becomes like a sensory deprivation tank. (laughs) Um, so yeah, just doing some laps in the pool. Um, it's, and it's also a workout, so it's good for my body as well. Um, yeah, that's probably it. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Mm. Podcasts. <laughs> um, like this one. Um, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy this podcast a lot, actually. Um, yeah. I again with me liking to have conversations it puts me when I'm feeling very isolated um it puts me in you know like a conversation um that I get to just listen to and don't have to contribute to do you have any you want to recommend uh this one (laughs) thanks so if you're Um... listening to this one we recommend you listen to more of them (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> there's I've been getting into like the the story type of podcasts um so there's one I mean I finished it's old but I finished it recently because I just found it it's called homecoming um and it has uh David Schwimmer on it um and he's like playing an evil character which is very strange because I just know him as Ross <laughs> um <laughs> um so homecoming 
Um, and um, oh, uh, Dax Shepard has a podcast called Armchair Expert, and he and his co-host interview different people. So most of the time they're famous people, but then he'll also have experts from different fields on it. So he had um, like Sanjay Gupta on it. Um, uh, and he talked about like the brain and music, I think. And then he'll have like psychologists on it. He had Dr. Phil on it a while back, which was really interesting. Um, but then, yeah, so he also had he has famous people on it as well. So the last one I listened to was um, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And then um, he had, I don't know, just a bunch of, it's just interesting, like, and it's a long form podcast. So it's like an hour, anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half long. And they just dig into like their lives. And so it's, it kind of shows the humanity behind the facade of being famous and then for the expert ones it's it's showing you know how willing they are to learn about you know these different um different professions and um things like that so um and that's kind of where partially where i got the inspiration for um clinical populations as well mm -hmm. awesome i'll link those so people can check yeah. them out yep yeah your favorite intervention or song to use in a session. I guess this will be a little different for you, but yeah. maybe one of your favorite <laughs> techniques or something you use frequently, advice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do a lot of warm-ups before we go through rehearsal, um, not just like vocal warm-ups, but um, ways for them to get ready to you know, socialize um, and work with each other. Um, so my favorite one that I do for the rock band that we have is called Feel My Rhythm, Catch My Beat. And everyone's standing in a circle and they do kind of like the We Will Rock You, like, like lap and, and hand clap thing. Um, and then they say, they chant, Feel My Rhythm, Catch My Beat. Um, and they do that um, two times. And then we stop and a person in the circle has to choose someone else in the circle and they have to do some sort of body percussion beat thing um, or even some sort of movement and they pass it to that person and that person has to copy um, the beat or the movement that we do and try to get it right. <clears throat> and then we do it again, feel my rhythm, catch my beat, and then they have to choose someone else in the circle. So it's kind of like popcorn with the rhythms, but it's a way for them to one, like initiate and acknowledge interaction from another person, um, but also get ready brain-wise to um, follow along when we're working through music um, for rhythms and things like that. Yeah, that's a great example of one of those um, icebreakery mm -hmm. activities, like you said, a warm-up that unless you know what's really going on cognitively, it looks so simple, but you as the facilitator know you're prepping everyone for the more difficult tasks coming. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 That one's a lot of fun because sometimes the kids will try to juke someone out by spinning around or like going under, like doing like a basketball kind of things and going under their legs. <laughs> um, or like even doing like a hand gesture, like like a thumbs up or something. It's really funny. 
I'm going to try that in some of my groups. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, where can people find you and connect with you? Mm, I am obnoxious on social media. <laughs> so um, on Instagram and Twitter, it's GabTozilla. Um, website is uh, GabbyBanson.com. Um, and then for the podcast stuff, it's, um, all over anywhere that you find podcasts, um, but it's clinicalpopulations.fireside.fm. And then, uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter as well. So. Awesome. I will link all that stuff below so people can find you, connect with you. If you haven't checked out clinical populations, definitely head there from here <laughs> <laughs> and give them some love. They have a lot of great content out there and uh, good inspiring stuff for MTs looking for a change of pace, some fresh ideas, and some good conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I hope Thank you, you have, for having me on. It was a pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And yes. stay cool in the 95-degree weather. <laughs> oh, well, you stay warm in your 35-degree weather. Thank you. I'm working <laughs> on it. <laughs> Bye. Right. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gabby. She was super easy to talk to and definitely check out Clinical Populations and hear some of their awesome conversations with artists and about new music that you could be using in your sessions. They have some great intervention ideas as well. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, please consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. Over on Patreon, I'll be offering the exclusive opportunity to ask questions to the guests. So when I schedule an interview, I'll put a post up there and you can see who the person is and come up with a question for them. And in the interview, I will ask them your question. Some of the guests, I'm sure you've thought, I wish I could pick their brain about whatever it may be. So this is an opportunity for you to be able to do that. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Music Therapy Chronicles and join our group on Facebook to continue the conversation about these episodes. Tell us what you think, what you've learned and different aspects of the interviews you're applying to your own life. I love hearing how people are impacted by the show. And lastly, if you or someone you know wants to be on the podcast, or if there's someone you want us to reach out to, please send us an email at feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>